Hello and welcome to the U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Hour Live brings you interviews with some of the biggest names in U.S. rugby scene. Today's show is a rare daytime show for us, uh, for everybody actually in the spaces with us. Uh, we will be discussing the Rugby World Cup, which begins tomorrow, and we're pumped. We're going to discuss that with Joe Harvey and Will Hooley in just a few minutes. If you are listening live on Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn, you can leave comments or questions in those chats or just join us over here on the Twitter mobile app and you can ask your own questions directly to our guests live. Just look for the link on Eagles Overseas. Uh, also, I believe you can now ask questions from a browser. Uh, not 100% sure about that just yet, but uh, give it a try. We'll see what happens. If you are not already following us, please do so at Eagles Overseas and Rugby Morning uh, on most social media channels to get updates on future shows and news about USA Rugby, Major League Rugby, and much, much more uh, Rugby World Cup stuff. I am Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas, and my co-host probably chowing down on a meatball sub for lunch, I think. Uh, rugby Morning's John Fitzpatrick. Hey, Fitzy. A meatball sub, Bill? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm certainly down for one, but uh, well, it's, uh, I'm trying to get fit and trim here. Uh, for, the, for, for the season? <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be chowing down on a lobster roll in about an hour, as we do up here in the Boston area. <laughs> oh, my God. typical. Yeah, How, how's it going? This is uh, this is uncharted territory for us. Yeah, midday. I'm I'm a, a lot more awake. Uh, I'm not having a drink, although we are called happy hour. So if you're listening in the UK or France, that makes more sense. <laughs> So I don't know you can, Fitz. You can drink if you'd like. I, I know. Uh, I, I'm on a I'm on a cup of coffee number three. I was up late last night. I had a fantasy football auction draft that went a little late. So. Oh, nice, nice. Well, I had my fantasy draft on Monday night, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it. Um, tough week, tough week for us out here. Just uh, uh, crazy. Uh, just I don't know if you know. I just want other people to know also out there that. Um, my daughter, who plays collegiate soccer, um, her senior year, unfortunately, suffered a pretty nasty leg injury. And we were there, my wife and I were there to see it. And I tell you what, um, it, it's, it wasn't, wasn't fun to watch. It was, she broke both the tibia and fibula, okay. so tibia and fibula in her leg, and, um, which is where they are. Um, but the worst part about it, Fitzy, was unfortunately you can hear her across the field just in agony. Uh, oh. I know. Um, but it, it was so tough. To, to do it, uh, to listen to it, and eventually, usually parents don't go out there, but she was down for so long uh, that I, I got up and I went down to the field. I know the coaches there are pretty good, too. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, she's doing better. I spent the week up there, and uh, I was prepared to do uh, this show from, like, a Starbucks or something while I was up there, and uh, but uh, didn't have to do that. I got home last night, late last night, so ready to go for today. Uh, my daughter's doing better. Her pain has gone down quite a bit. She got a new cast yesterday. Uh, full leg cast. She got it black because she wanted to be badass. <laughs> but all good. Um, uh, but yeah, so with that said, man, actually, you know, real quick before we get to our guests, um, dude, your old Glory DC has a new home. Do you know much about it? Yeah, Maryland Soccerplex, uh, just outside of uh, the Bellway on the Maryland side. Uh, for those who are familiar with it, it's where uh, National Collegiate Rugby held the Collegiate Rugby Championship uh, this past spring. It's nice out there. Uh, great facility. The The stadium's nice. Nice grass field. Um, it's a little bit closer to D.C. I think it'll be a little bit easier to get yeah, to. Good. 
Um, but yeah, exciting news for Oglory. And I think the biggest thing is there. there's going to be a beer garden, Ooh. a lot more of the rugby festival-like stuff that MLR clubs really need, you know, that New England does yeah. so well. You can do this um, at the Maryland Soccer Plex. So exciting stuff. That's great. And also one, one more bit of news before we move on. Uh, Women's Barbarians are returning this fall, and USA hooker JoJo Kitlinski is on the roster. I'm pumped for her. I'm glad that team started. Uh, not old at all. And, you know, past Eagles have been on that team, been, you know, Jess Wood and Alicia Washington, Hope Rogers, just to name a few. It's been a handful of them. And uh, I'm pumped for her. Can't wait to see that. And then later today, um, Bristol Bears, Agent McGinty is uh, going against the men barbarians. Uh, I don't I haven't found anywhere to watch that live. So uh, I wish it was a live stream, but um, it's all good. Hopefully it goes well. Uh, OK, Fitz, what do you say? Let's get into our guests. Let's Talk do some it. Rugby like we do on this show once in a while. All right. Making his long away to return to the show. Um, we were, I think we were on Clubhouse platform the last time he was on. Uh, hailing from the United Kingdom, content producer and journalist, Joe Harvey. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm, I'm just sort of, I imagine like Mr. Hooley is sort of baking slowly in the, Eng- the late English summer sun. Um, <laughs> But yeah, which to be fair, is going to be indicative of the, the World Cup um, over the weekend. I mean, some places in France is going to hit 35 degrees Celsius. Oh. So I, I can't quite tell you what that is in Fahrenheit, but that is quite heat to be playing rugby. Uh. Um, so yeah, I'm just sort of um, just enjoying a bit of the late day. I'm still at work in the office. I've just sort of nipped out around the corner into the car park um, and enjoying some of the sights. Well, great. And also joining us... I believe he's also in the UK at the moment. Um, I feel like we're introducing two boxers, like they're going to go at it. Uh, in the blue corner is USA Eagle number 517, recently retired from the game as well, and journalist himself, Will Hooley. Hey, Will. Hey, Bill. And uh, hey, Fitzy as well. Great to be on here. Hey, Joe. It's, um, yeah, I'm in the UK at the moment, which is interesting. As, as Joe's mentioned, the weather is, I don't know, it's, uh, it's like we're having a late summer here uh so wow. yeah it's it's we're not also very good at having hot weather there's no air conditioning <laughs> useful. so um anyway look it's going to be talking of hot weather as joe's mentioned that's going to be in france and you know very excited about this tournament coming up and and uh hopefully we'll talk about it all in in due course yeah well, before we get into that let's talk a little bit about you two real quick joe uh, like I said, you know, I think last time we spoke, I think you were like 19 years old. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, <laughs> but not close. What is that? <laughs> uh, but you've been covering a lot of a lot of sports. You know, you, you've been doing major league rugby, you know, soccer, cricket. I'm sorry, football. Um, everything. So, other than the heat right now, what's been keeping you the most the busiest of late? Do you know what? It's one of those kind of things where it kind of intersects perfectly. Uh, a lot of time this summer has been actually spent doing athletics ah. so um had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to interview the i think we could probably now say he is the great noah lyles oh. um so when he was out here um for the diamond league which was held at london stadium I, I was doing a stint down down in the big city and you know did two days back to back where you know i was speaking to him doing lots of things about the diamond league and then also um i think it might have been a week or two ago now was um, kind of doing a lot of coverage uh, on the the world of the champs that were in Budapest. So I've been keeping pretty pretty busy with goings on on the track, especially with you know Paris twenty twenty four just around the corner. 
Wow, a little everything. That's good. You have your toes dipped in. Oh, yeah. Hopefully tipped in some cold ice water right now. <laughs> cool you down. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Will, same with you. I mean, a lot's going on. Last time I saw you was in Chicago post-MLR championship match. Um, you know, I know you're switching gears as far as in career and stuff. Are you still writing with Guardian? Uh, I mean, have you had some downtime? Yes. Yeah, I have. I mean, it's, um, I'm not going to lie that the pain of that final still hurts, even when you yeah. just mentioned it there. Um, but no, I, I can't complain. I mean, I, um, I planned my exit from the game, uh, in the way that I did probably a couple of years ago, but uh, now, and, and look, we can probably come on to talk about how the USA are not at this world cup. I certainly kind of wish that I was playing at this world cup. Yes. Um, but that wasn't to be, but I had an amazing time with San Diego. Uh, unfortunately not quite to be at the end, but, I, but as I said, I really can't complain. So I've had a bit of a sort of decompression, a bit of a reflection as to what I guess my career has been. And, and that's been nice just to speak to friends and former teammates, current teammates, I should say as well. And, um, yeah, plenty of eating and drinking. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so I'm not <laughs> sure how good a position I would be to take a rugby field um, if, if asked over this weekend. But hey, look, it, it's been nice. And I think maybe as anyone who sort of has retired will, will tell you, it's you don't get that time, or, you know, during your career to reflect. But when you do, I think it's it's always nice. Um, I'm uh, excited, a bit daunted by the future, but at the same time, um, yeah, this is this is on my terms, decision Good. I made, and and so um, I can't complain. All right, so Will, since I still have you on, let's let's jump right into it. I want to talk generally a few teams before we really dig into certain things from the World Cup. Uh, when you're looking at, say, England, New Zealand, or Australia, Wales. You know, who's having a tougher time right now, and, and should they be worried? Gosh, yeah, you know what? This World Cup, I mean, if I'm going to put sort of a, a, a nice sort of surrounding uh, statement in all of this, it is completely wide open. I think teams coming into this tournament who we thought might be in form uh, as to, you know, a few years ago are not. And then there are another few teams who are really coming into what I would perceive as where you want to be coming to the World Cup, which is just confident. Um, I think some of the teams you mentioned there, the likes of Australia, Wales, and then, of course, England, I have to comment on them. Um, I don't think confidence is going to be running through their veins coming into that first game or their first game uh, this weekend. However, whatever's gone before, I really do believe means zero. And I can say that from experience, 2019 with the US Eagles, I think we peaked too early. We, we play in that Pacific Nations Cup, mm -hmm. uh, which was in the sort of July and August time. And uh, we just lost out to the Japanese in the end, coming second in, in that competition, beating Samoa, beating Canada convincingly as well. Um, and then I felt when we got to the tournament, it was almost like, yeah, we, we just hit the notes too soon. Yeah. <laughs> and then we came to perform, we didn't quite, um, yeah, hit our potential. So, yeah, I'm a big believer in whatever's happened before in this pre-World Cup build-up kind of means nothing until when you hit the pitch for game one so we'll stand stand on that point um should if you're a welsh fan should you be concerned with with everything going on there is is crisis the right word to 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 say i don't know you know fitzy i don't know because first of all when i look at that welsh team which has literally just come out for those uh viewers uh or, or um, those who have maybe kept an eye on the social media rugby world cup um 
it's got a lot of quality and it's got some experience. And particularly I look at the likes of someone like Dan Bigger at number 10, who's coming to, into what will be his last World Cup, his last appearance appearances in a Welsh jersey. Um, with a man like him at the helm, I kind of feel like they, they, they can be guided all the way through their group uh, to be top seeds. Um, equally, yeah, I have talked about coming in with a lack of confidence and then when you look at the other sides in their group, Australia, you don't know whether they're going to hit form or not. Fiji, who we can talk about being as well. We, I think we all want Fiji to do well. We know what they're capable of, or certainly English fans will know what they're capable of. Um, and then even the Georgians um, and Portuguese. US fans don't need to talk too much about the Portuguese. We, we get sort of horrible shivers down our spine but they everyone's competitive in that welsh in that welsh pool i think i personally think and i've just written a piece about what i predict on these group stages i think the welsh will get out of that group and i think they'll top it um much to others may not agree with me but i just think they have got experience in the right areas and they've got warren gatlin who i do believe is a top quality head coach um you know i see them doing all right yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit more about the article you wrote uh, in The Guardian. And, and Joe, i got a question for you next after this. But, Will, you know, you talked a little bit about the, the underdogs and that gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations growing a little bit smaller, which is good to see. Some of the underdogs you mentioned, Fiji, Georgia, Portugal, Chile, um, you know, could all get some World Cup victories, which you know, obviously would be big for their domestic uh, games. But uh, out of that group there, is there one nation you're particularly pulling for where you'd like for them to try and get their first, say, outside maybe Fiji, outside, get their first Rugby World Cup win? Well, again, I've just said it, Fitzy, which is probably going to break some US fans. And and, it, and as I say, I, I, I say this through gritted teeth. I'd like to see Portugal do well. I, I love the way how they play. I love mm-hmm. the way how they've got these exciting uh, back three players. Um, Gudez, I think that's how you pronounce it. Apologies if I've got that wrong. But the fullback is just lightning and got electric feet. I, I mentioned him in my article because I do believe he could be one of those stars that people are not aware of. And then he goes on and suddenly gets signed up by Toulouse or Toulon because he just cuts teams apart with his footwork and speed. Um, I look at their group and I genuinely believe, and I would have said the same, obviously, as a US Eagle, that I can see them pulling out a win. And I don't know where it will be. It could be that they go and just outplay Georgia with their, their, their pace and skill. It might even be that Fiji just are exhausted when they put all their efforts into other games and they just sort of take their eye off a game against Portugal, if you know what I mean. So... Yeah, I, I honestly, I would, I would love to see Portugal get a first Rugby World Cup win in their history. I think that would really sort of, um, I, I don't know, I, I just think be such a different thing that we don't expect and be brilliant for the tournament if they do. Joe and Will, feel free to either one of you guys weigh in on this. I mean, there's a number of great storylines coming into this Rugby World Cup. I think one of the ones that I got a, a real good chuckle out of was um, maybe this is just South Africa having a little bit of fun with us, but there's 7-1 split on the bench that they were chatting about. Is that just Rassi having a good laugh with us, trying to take attention away from the team, lighten the mood a little bit, or is that really serious? Oh, I don't know. That's a, good, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that one as a Oh, that's a good point but the thing is it's Razzy and like we saw in 2020 you know 2021 during the Lions tour he was you know kind of doing whatever he was doing on social media maybe I shouldn't delve too much into that there's probably things that 
I've, I'll have forgotten about that I might talk about. But even today, did you, you might have seen this that was circulating during the rounds. He's only following one account on Twitter at the minute, on his, on his personal Twitter account, and he's following the Scotland team. So he, it's already started. I'm looking right now. So it's, yeah, it's always... Jesus, you're right. It. Yeah, yeah. So he, it's always kind of going with him, and I, he sort of really sparks into life when, the, when there's these big tournaments, doesn't he? Because I think I remember... 2021 we no one ever saw of him as that sort of you know kind of character that was going to go brash out there play the mind games do all those sorts of things the next thing we knew we had this completely different perspective of who this bloke was um and there is always going to be that there's always going to be that gamesmanship i think when particularly when i you know was a lot of eddie jones press conferences you saw a lot of the time what he's trying to do it's kind of a bit of a you know it's a bit of a game of chess you're trying to move everything into the position to be the way you want it you want to create that narrative around your team that's going to help help them but then also shield them if things don't necessarily go well and by hook or by crook eddie did that badly he did that well i'm, I'm still not exactly sure i think it's a, it's a bit like i always kind of describe it as a bit of an abusive relationship you're not really sure where you stand on it even after all this time um so he, yeah, he, you know, Razzi is, is always going to do that sort of thing. But it's, it's, it's great and it adds to the spectacle, it adds to the entertainment. And don't get me wrong, I think we're all tremendously excited for a World Cup to kick off tomorrow evening. Um, but yeah, Razzi's, uh, Razzi's playing the games and I, I, I love it. And also, the thing is, fundamentally with the 7-1 split, I think someone tweeted about it or you know, commented on it. It's actually not illegal. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> you know, it's, it's not illegal unless it's written down that you, you have to have, you know, a prerequisite number of back. I mean, the game's the game. Even Argentina for England, they've gone 6-2 on the bench. So it's quite, you know, people are, people are thinking about this. Maybe someone's going to push it over the edge at some point. I'm quite hopeful, to be honest. Joe, let's, let's touch on England for a second again. When they dropped that match uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, you know uh, uh, losing you know, Owen Farrell for a couple weeks suspension after that came back, uh, possibly... We're possibly losing Joe Muller as well, but uh, he's fine. You were any issues as far as maybe in your circle? Were people a little worried? Of course, but I, I feel like with the the worry with England, and and this could be, you know, and there is this sort of English sort of confidence and brashness to what I'm about to say. In that, by the time the Fiji result came around, everyone was sort of leveling, was sort of grounding out. So, you know, the results had had fallen off a cliff. Like even, you know even last autumn when people were booing Eddie at Twickenham and, and booing the team off the turf after they lost to uh, South Korea in that game, things weren't great. My last England game at Twickenham was when they lost to France pretty heavily. Um, mm -hmm. And then to not see the growth or the development of this Steve Borthwick England. And, you know, he, he came in very strong with what he said. And it was, you know, I want to play, I want to, you know, to have an England team that's proud, that makes England proud. To then be at this point now where, you know, even the win over Wales wasn't, you know, hugely convincing. That was the game that mm -hmm. Farrell got his red card in. You know, there's always going to be this sort of, there's this expectation with England and there's this sort of arrogance, I think is possibly the best way of putting it, that's sort of innate with any England fan that, you know, we should be beating certain nations. But when Fiji were doing what they were doing and, you know, I think, for example, the, the, the biggest line that we've all talked about with a lot of the Pacific Island teams and a lot of Tier 2 nations is that if they just get it together, actually they will give these teams a good go. And with Fiji, it's always been discipline and line-out. And then, you know, you, you bring in Sam Matavesi, who I think in the Premiership, he was operating at, at over 90% line-out completion rate as a hooker. So, you know, you get that piece and then you kind of just introduce a few other things. And, you know, obviously you know, new head coaches come in and obviously really galvanise them as well, then 
it doesn't come as a surprise when this England team is taking... Well, actually, I was about to say two, one step forward, two steps back. I don't think there's been re- really mm-hmm. that many steps forward. But um, so by the time it actually happened, it didn't feel like a big surprise. And then also you then have to contend with, oh, yeah, Owen Farrell's out for a couple of games. And then you, you turn around and then yeah. next thing you know, Billy Van is out for a couple of games. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't add up well. And, I, I, and I've literally just done my office sweepstake where we've gone around and picked names out of a hat. I've got Ireland, by the way. I'm very pleased. Um, and... <laughs> You know, when when you know the person pulled out England, there was a groan around the room because everyone knows that that's either going to be a run all the way to the final because it, I mean, 2019 it was sort of a similar narrative in a way, or out of the group stage, which is the 2015 narrative. So there's mixed feelings. There's there's always that thing in your head where you're going to go, it could happen, but that realization right. that the results and the downward, downward spiral has been downward and consistently downward to the point that you do sit there and go to yourself. I don't see a positive result coming from this. Right. Uh, listeners here on the Twitter app, if you'd like to come up and ask a question of our guests tonight or today, uh, you can do so by requesting on the bottom left of your app. We'll get you up here as soon as we can and go ahead and ask your own question. And when you're done asking, we'll drop you back down into general population. Uh, no offense, just trying to clean it up up here. Uh, but come on, come on up, ask a question. Uh, you know, Will, I want to jump to you real quick. Uh, scheduling. If I remember correctly in 2019, there were teams that maybe had four days between matches. Oh, is that correct? Remember that at all? Yeah, like four... I, I can indeed. Um, and having been part of that as well, yes. um, we, we, <laughs> finished, we, we finished with um, Tonga in Osaka. And, look, you know, I, I can say this now, but I'm not taking anything away from Tonga beating us that day. And they deservedly did in the end. But, yeah, we, we had a very hard-fought game against Argentina just outside Tokyo and yeah, and anyone who's been to Japan, I mean, it's amazing the, the system how you travel out there on the bullet train or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, it was literally hard game against Argentina, turn it round, and then we just had a captain's run pretty much before we yeah. played against Tonga in that last game. We were up, I remember, by about in the fifty-fifth or sixtieth minute. I felt like we were pretty in control, and then I could just feel a sense of just loss of energy. And look, you know, as I say, loads of if, buts and maybes from our campaign in 2019. I do believe we should have won that game. And I do also think World Rugby probably heard back from a bunch of the nations and say, hey, look, we can't have that again. So actually, when you look through the schedule now, 2023, even the likes of, you know, Portugal, who were the last to qualify, they will get seven day turnarounds. I think one of the only teams, which is very unfortunate, and I know some people will think, um, you know, that's a bit biased. Um, towards the, the the bigger nations or whatever your top ten nations, but I think Samoa they have one of the toughest turnarounds. I think they use they right. have a at least well sorry a maximum six day. I think it's six more, days. Five yeah. Day. yeah, five or six day turnarounds for their games, which I do think will be tough. France, as Joe knows, anyone who's been to France is very well connected with the with the rail system. I'm sure they'll use that as much as obviously potentially flying as well, but. Um, it's not easy and I think the coaches they've got to get it right in terms of what preparation is done during the week not overdoing uh, training because you need to keep your players fresh uh, and I think whoever gets that right and uses their squad well or, or should mm-hmm. I say as best as possible those are the teams that get through or are able to get through the group stages without having to you know 
play with niggles, play with injuries, some of their best players not maybe getting rested uh, and therefore enable them later on in the tournament to to hopefully give their best shot. And I did notice there are there's actually one or two teams that have two weeks uh, between matches. Uh, and not wow. for everybody. That seems, uh, I may have read it wrong, but it seems a little unfair, let's say. Maybe for everyone else it has seven days at most. And I'm not sure how they're working that out. I'm not sure why that would even be. But that's going to be, I mean, that's great for the Bones. But that's going to be difficult as well. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you want continuity. As I, I mean, I'm contradicting myself now. But you do want continuity. And you do want that sort of feeling of like you're in a season. You know, you're playing every week. You're, you're continuing your form. And that will potentially cause a little bit of an issue. Um, but at the same time, look, these guys are all conditioned and ready to go. And they'll be chomping up the bit. If anything, it's the issue will be more, more for the individual just wanting to get out there uh, and play. Uh, so, yeah, I think schedules have been learned, uh, learned on from the past. I think World Rugby's done well to sort of make sure that we don't have those four-day turnarounds, as you were saying earlier. Uh, and I think, therefore, across the board, you'd have to say that everyone's playing a fair tournament on, on that regard. Moving on over to uh, pool play a little bit, Maureen. Well, you mentioned, you know, the, the, again, the gap is closing, but there seems to be, you know, Ireland, France, South Africa, New Zealand, pretty safe picks to make it out of pool play. Any other uh, nations you think uh, will make it out of pool play pretty safely? Well, you know what, uh, Fitzy, I've literally just uh, wrote a, a just a bit of fun uh, for a blog post on my website, which will come out just after this. Shameless plug there, by the way. Sneak peek, I like uh, it. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought I'd, I'd just put together through maybe a bit of my experience as to who I think will, will who do well, come out of the group, key players to watch. I realise I'm really biased towards fly halves, which is, well, that's probably understandable. But um, I honestly, I don't think there'll be any upsets in terms of the teams that come out of the quarterfinals. However, sorry, come out of the pools into the quarterfinals. However, what I do believe when I look across the games in those pools, some of those games are are just madness. Like they're going to be so competitive. And I also do believe, for example, I I say, uh, if you you look at, um, what is it? Pool C, when you've got Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, and Portugal. I honestly believe Wales will win that. And I think Wales would do it because they will beat Australia in the end. They'll get run close by Fiji. But then I can see Fiji beating Australia, then Georgia beating Fiji, but then Portugal beating Georgia. I really, <laughs> I really do think that. And I, th- and I think it will come down, in all honesty, to points difference in some of these, in some of these pools. Yeah. Um, for example, Pool B with South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga and Romania. No disrespect to the Romanians. I think everyone will get a five-point win against them. But like Tonga now are a team you've got to be wary of. Scotland have got an attack that arguably might be one of the best of the World Cup. So I actually think, I predict, just so people can go and have a look, is I think South Africa will win the group, but I don't think they'll win every game. I can see Ireland beating South Africa, but then Scotland beating Ireland, for example, but then South Africa demolishing Scotland. That's just, I honestly don't see potentially really anyone winning every game in their pool. The only team that I feel may do that now, or two teams actually has to say, is I think New Zealand, because I think France are missing a key component to their team, which is Dante Dante or Dante uh, uh, inside centre for the French. I think he's mm-hmm. such a go-forward player for France. Missing him tomorrow night is going to be huge, and I genuinely believe that could be the difference between the All Blacks winning and France 
France winning. And therefore, New Zealand beat France tomorrow night. They go and win every game in their pool. And the other one, which I'm going to, England fans are going to hate me for saying this, but as it stands, Joe, I don't know whether you agree, you can come in on this, but I genuinely see Argentina, I see Argentina beating England. And therefore, I see (laughs) Argentina winning every game in their group. England still going through. And because of my predictions, by the way, England end up playing Wales in the quarterfinal because Wales are top of the group. England will come running up. Yeah, what do you think to England not beating Argentina on Saturday? The thing is, I actually really, I have agreed with everything that you said. I've stood in this car park just nodding away with everything that you've just said because I, I agree because <laughs> it, it, it feels like this World Cup, for some reason, whatever reason, it just feels like you can go and look at teams and you can look at a matchup and go, well, that's why they're going to beat them. That's why they're going to beat them. That's why they're going to lose. And that's why that one player might have a good game and pick up a good contract later on. So, like, (laughs) (laughs) there is always that with World Cups as well, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. I'm still not sure. Um, You know, I, I think, you know, that Argentina team has looked very settled now for probably, I want to say the last year and a half. That seems like the kind of the right sort of barometer for how kind of settled and, and well they've looked. Um, you know, and, and obviously I saw their selections today. They've gone six on the bench. They're obviously really targeting this England game as the, as the one to win. I'm more than mm-hmm. confident that they'll back themselves to, you know, to beat Japan, to, you know, to beat Chile, to beat, um, and then of course Samoa as well. So I, I fully believe that. And I think for England, it's, you know, they're very much the wounded animal in this game and I know wounded animals can be dangerous and and things like that but I really feel like they have that much to work on and work out and especially when you look at some of those selections that that have been made for example Johnny May for example not actually in the original 33-man squad now starting on the wing against Argentina it does seem kind of contradictory to some of the things that have been going on beforehand so yeah, that Argentina team is in absolute prime position um, tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow night, sorry. I forgot what day of the week it was. Uh, on Saturday <laughs> night to... Um, Saturday. Saturday. It's Saturday, I believe, 8 p.m. UK. So <laughs> for, anyone, for anyone really wondering, so that's for obviously then that's East Coast, that's 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So uh, by the way, I, I don't work for any broadcasters, but if any do, I can basically reel off the times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I completely agree with that. And I think... You know, I suppose even for England, they've kind of their, you know, their pool is a bit front loaded in that sense that they've got, you know, Argentina, then Japan. So it, it does become, you know, that is obviously quite an interesting sort of um, match up and, and start for them. Because if they don't really show much good against Argentina, that Japan team might start, start turning around and think to themselves, oh, do you remember 2015? That was quite good. Do you want to do that again? Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with absolutely everything mm-hmm. that Mr. Hooley has said. <laughs> well, I think. Uh, by the way, I, I I have written off in what I wrote as well. I, I've written off a team like Japan, which is crazy because you know ultimately it's still good, great. You know, they've got some great players, but they're coming into the tournament with, let's be honest, compared to four years ago, nothing. Um, and I almost feel like I've I've wrote off Scotland. And and it, uh, by the way, like you haven't even talked about the Italians. The, the yeah, Italy right. teams come on leaps and bounds, <laughs> but because of the because of the way the groups are, it's really exciting for for you know, us kind of just, um, what do you call us? We're, we're just sort of fans of this tournament, aren't we? We're not supporting anyone as a whole. You might have your right. ones you prefer, but the, um, you know, the Italians have found themselves in a horrible group with France yeah. and New Zealand. Yeah, they could easily, easily turn up and be potentially the French if they, if they suddenly go to pot, throw their toys out of the pram because they lose tomorrow night in New Zealand. I mean, it could be an England 2015 for them. 
And then we're all going, what is happening? Now, I want to just put a side note before I finish. I do want to see France do well. I do want to see them do well because I think it'll be so important for the tournament. Rugby economics, I think it'll be so yeah. important for. <laughs> and I just know, having been in Japan for the 2019 World Cup, because the Japanese were doing well, the whole spirit and people in Japan just was so behind the tournament. And I, I would love that to be the case in France as well. I, I just think it's so important for a Rugby World Cup. Yeah, of course. And obviously, right. just on Will's, sorry, uh, sorry, and I'm yeah, interrupting. No, but just, just on Will's sort of mentioning of Italy there, like, the thing is that he's quite right. They have been absolutely dealt a, a really rubbish hand. But I suppose the thing is with them, they are still have a squad that is young enough so that in four years' time, they will have lots more experience together. Because I don't really see the, the kind of the skeleton of that team changing that much. So it actually, you know, it's one of those in, in mm. four, maybe even five years' times, you know, say they do well at the next tournament. That that's the little kind of sequence at the start before the game. It's saying, you know, four years ago this um, this uh, <laughs> this uh, Italy team wasn't really up to much, but now look at them. Look what they've done in the meantime. So you know he's, he's quite right. But I mean, I suppose with these things, we always, I, I, you know, we kind of look. I always look a bit further ahead, and they they could well have some pieces in there that are massively influential for when it comes to Australia in 2027. Brilliant. All right, let's jump to our first listener. Our old friend here, Ryan Kirby, is uh, has been waiting patiently. And Ryan, don't you dare ask him who they think is going to win the whole thing. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, there goes my question for the day. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, well, Joe, hey, always, uh, always glad to hear you guys come on. And uh, Bill, John, thank you guys so much for always doing this. You guys are honestly the best. Um, this question. Well, Joe, whoever wants to answer, you guys are more than welcome to both. Awesome. Two really quick questions. One, um, I know you guys talked about Japan uh, a little bit. Um, I honestly think Japan might be a dark horse in this. Where do you guys see just like Japan themselves in this position with the Rugby World Cup? And then my second question is, you know, you guys were talking about injuries and stuff, but we forgot one big one, uh, Romain Natomic. I know he's out for France, and that's a big blow. Um, do you think that's going to affect anything on the French side? Well, I mean, well, I'll, 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 Will can take the fly-half question. That's, that's, oh, my goodness me. I'm not taking no, well, fly-half questions. I'm sure Ryan's got the door because he's obviously got someone coming around. I don't know whether, Pizza. you know, someone. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's, it's a delivery, isn't it? Oh, good on him. Oh, look, I mean, look, for Intermac to, to be missing out is, is huge for France because they've had a lot of continuity going into this tournament with Dupont playing with Intermac for the majority of those test matches. However, I mean, the strength and depth for France is ridiculous. You've got Mathieu uh, uh, Jalibert, who, uh, again, I've been pr- my pronunciation on my French is not the best, Jalibert, who is who is. <laughs> Phenomenal, and in fact, he is pretty much an identical player as Interback is. He, he's very, he's quick. He's got a good tactical kicking game. He loves to attack the line himself. And the one thing which I will really say, which you'll see with the French, is when Dupont makes a sniping run and gets in behind teams, it's usually the fly half who's actually just off his shoulder. So Intermac usually gets those kind of breaks through the middle. Well, that's going to be Jalibert, and I have no doubt with the pace that he's got, he will still make those breaks, if that makes sense. So I've been quite technical for uh, listeners on, on that. But he is, in my opinion, still a quality player. I therefore don't see it being a huge loss to France and to Mac. Um, because also, 
in terms of uh, their, their goal kicking options, Jalabert isn't their number one kicking option. I know Ramos is a sensational goal kicker. Uh, the other fullback as well is a top quality goal kicker. If we're going to talk about quickly, sorry, I want to say fly half. I will come on. Sorry, Brian, this is completely not what you just said, but Untermack is a loss. But for example, Munts, who's the fly off of Fiji, now he is an incredible loss. So that's the difference I'm trying to say is like France, I think, can get away with not having Untermack playing. Joe, far away about the Japan question. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, I was never going to answer a question about fly half, having never played there. Um, and I have to defer <laughs> to certain people's better uh, judgment there. Um, on, on the Japan thing, um, so I've seen Japan play, I think, twice in, in the flesh. Um, this is when I found out it's been a few more than that, and I've forgotten about a few more times. But um, yeah, so one time I saw them when they played the British and Irish Lions in Edinburgh, and the other time is when I saw them play England last autumn. Both times, I have to say, I was I was fairly disappointed. It felt like since 2019, they hadn't really developed the squad that much. And also, in addition to that, the drop-off between the, the kind of the first string then and what is the first string now is is, is fairly significant. It, you know, and when I talk about, you know, squad development, they, they are one of the... I think, actually, if I was to look at this, and I believe I'm right in saying this, they're actually one of the older average age squads. So, hmm. you know, whilst they... They have plenty of experience. Actually, they're, they're possibly on the on the high end of that kind of peak performance that you'd be looking for from a team that's you know going to make a serious sort of surge into the playoffs and, and go a bit further on. So it's kind of one of those. It feels like it's a bit of a weird place for that. I mean, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty certain someone might have to pick me up on this. Um, the the hooker Shotohori, I believe he's 37 or 38. So you know when he was 34 last Rugby World Cup, I distinctly remember him making line breaks for fun. I don't necessarily believe that he would have that in his locker again. So you do lose something there. And I don't know, I just, I'm not, I'm not blown away with them in the same way that I was. But does that mean that I don't think they could be a pretty poor England team on their day? That, that's a different, that's a different matter entirely. But, but, sorry, just hiccup. Um, but um, I do think that they are, yeah, they're a good team. They're not the best team. They're not the best versions of themselves. So it's difficult to kind of work out where they are. But I mean, does it, it, I still think they could pick up a, a, a surprise win along the way. This weekend, first round matches were about, what, 26, 27 hours away from the first match. Uh, if you were to choose a match that will be an upset this weekend, who do you think it would be? Ooh. Does Namibia have a chance over Italy? Does, you know, I... I I don't know why I wrote down Argentina over England, which technically isn't because they're higher in the rankings. But, you know, can Fiji topple Wales? You know, what matches do you think would be the one like, yeah, that, that could happen? There's, there's the question of the weekend. The thing, the thing is, I feel like any, anything I say will leave me with egg on my face, basically. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you That's why like I asked that. you and I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll go Chile, Chile. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, to be fair, you know, kind of in the scope of, of US. I think that that would maybe kind of justify a few things. Um, but yeah, let's have a let's have a good kind of delve into this. I mean, I, I think personally, the one I'd love to see, and this is very much a personal preference. This is very much something that I sort of I've been thinking about quite consistently for the last couple of weeks. That that Fiji Wales game is is something I've got my eyes on very kind of mm-hmm. sternly. Like I don't think I don't think Romania are going to upset the apple cart and beat Ireland. I don't think you know I, I don't think other teams are going to do. It. I, I I think Italy will will you know I, unfortunately I think they'll hammer Namibia, um, yeah. and that's even with with the two New England Free Jacks guys in there. 
Um, exactly. I mean, we could we could we could even you know talk about why isn't Larum land starting, but that's a different matter entirely. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that's something I saw. I thought when I saw the team sheet, but. Yeah, I, that Fiji game is the one I've got my eyes on, just purely for the fact that they, you know, the development. But again, Will's right, Caleb Munt's been out is catastrophic. And like for him to also, with that being a knee injury, I don't necessarily know when we might even see him play rugby again. I think he's probably going to miss the, the vast chunk of this next season. So, you know, we might not see him actually again until next summer, basically. So, wow. you know, quite, a, you know, but obviously no one's really said the extent, but when someone says knee injury is serious, you know, you, you think to yourself nine months and you think about that sort of period. Um, yeah, so I'm going to have to say Fiji-Wales is purely, maybe because I'm English a little bit, uh, maybe <laughs> because I really like that Fiji team. I think I've always loved that Fiji team in a way. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to say Fiji-Wales. Well, well, Joe and Wales, oh, well, go ahead. I think you were about to... No, I, I, I was just going to, I was just going to, you know, add on there. I mean, I, I, there's no Welsh in me, um, I, I've always had highly competitive games against whether that be Wales age groups in the past or Welsh teams. Uh, there's no, you know, I, I have a lot to say that I would say I, I, I would dislike Wales. I wouldn't want to see them do well, but I genuinely see them actually turning the corner in this tournament. I really do. And then to add on to my point, I have already made, Joseph's made it again. I, I feel like Fiji losing months is the difference between them not making the quarterfinals, um, between them making the quarterfinals or not. I think he's that, pivotal to them I really do he, he sort of sits in this middle ground between what Fiji always needed which was someone who controls but then also the license to still kind of work with his um, mavericks that are around him you know I, I, I just think he was so pivotal for them and he was played so well at Twickenham the other week it is I, I'm, I'm really unfortunate to say they, they've lost him they're not making the quarterfinals that's my prediction I love it. Guys, as we're, as we're talking sleepers and underdogs, we hinted on this a little bit, but I've got to ask, is there a, is there a Brighton miracle this year? Is there going to be a, the World Cup's 2015 Japan team? And if so, who is that this year, do you think? I'll, I'll go ahead and say, again, I, I, I actually wrote this down and then hit the backspace quite hard because I was like, no, no, that, that's, that's unfair. That, that is unfair. But um, we talked about Fiji, about yeah, the potential. I understand that. But I will stick with what I said about I, I just don't know. Um, they'll, they'll do something. I mean, Fiji will maybe beat – they could easily beat Wales. They could easily beat Australia. So I don't want to take that away from them. But here's my wild one. I, I genuinely think Georgia have the potential to beat Wales or Australia. I don't think they'll do both. Yeah. But I genuinely believe yeah. Georgia have the ability to, to – I mean, they, they beat Wales back in November last year. You know, any Welsh fan is going to remember that. Um, and I just feel that set piece is crucial. They have got a brilliant set piece, and they've got the ability to control a game as well with their halfback. So, yeah, that, I don't know if that's quite as big as the Bright, Brighton miracle. I don't know, but it's. Um, I do see the Georgians potentially pulling something out of the bag, you know, and, and as I say, causing a giant. Well, in my opinion, would be a giant, um, giant. Uh, killer whatever i've lost my train of thought um a giant win in pool c yeah that's a really to be fair that is a really you know kind of 
I think we've, I don't know, I don't know if Will would maybe agree with this. I don't know if everyone would agree with me with this. But it feels like we've always had this sort of conversation about Georgia of, oh, they're, they're the real Six Nations team, you know. We'll, we'll take out Italy at some point. We'll introduce a playoff. They'll play each other a couple of times and we'll see how it goes. Um, but recently they really seem to kind of consolidate that sort of conversation. And then, you know, they, they did beat Wales in, in quite... I mean, it was quite spectacular circumstances. I was in the press room at Twickenham and there were papers thrown up in the air um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but again, that was mainly English blokes um, kind of enjoying that one, I think. Um, and that, if you had to look at anything that was realistic, I suppose, I mean, I don't see Italy beating the All Blacks. I don't see Italy beating France. I don't, I don't see Italy beating France's second team at this moment in time. So... If I had to turn around, it, you probably would look in that pool and you would turn around and say that's possibly the one where it would happen. I mean, I know four years ago, I think I, I think everyone was fairly unanimous in the fact that Uruguay beating Fiji was that was the that was the upset of that World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping to look a bit higher up the pecking order in sort of I suppose the traditional rugby sense and you know the, the sort of modern rugby sense as we look at you know Georgia as as, as so many of the other countries that you know and so I'm talking about some countries that haven't even qualified for the World Cup this t- time around I'm talking US I'm talking Canada that you know have put that infrastructure in place so that it can be more successful long term and I, I would I would really hope to see some of that kind of investment that passion that you know because I imagine I can't even imagine to think how much hard work's gone into kind of developing you know those nations and making them more sort of sustainable long term that i would love to see a a georgia team pick up a win against wales or australia because australia let's be fair i mean in recent times have looked fairly dire and i think that's where i'd be looking i have to say that's where i'd be looking one more uh, listener question and we'll get like one or two out of the way and we'll let you guys go joe we'll let you leave the car park uh will you can you know go back to reading around the world in 80 minutes uh, so I'll let you guys go in a minute here. Coming up, Peter. Just a, a question for, for Will and Joe. Uh, I think we all can agree that, that you know, the four best teams in the world, yeah, you know, France, Ireland, South Africa, and, and uh, New Zealand at this point in time, only two of them are going to make it past the course, quarterfinals. So, you know, if there's anything I could almost say negative uh, about the World Cup, it's, it's a pity that uh, two of those guys won't, won't make it past the uh, quarters, you know. Um, so my question is, um, do you guys think or foresee that in the future with this tournament that they will be looking at making the draws for the pools in a different way or in a different stage to sort of make these things even out more? Because the way I see it, one of those two teams are going to go through. It's just a matter of who's going to step up and the other pools to, to compete with them, you know, that can go actually all the way. You know, um, I can see teams like England and Australia maybe pulling off a big win, but who can actually on the other side go all the way? You know, if you look at England last time, they played one hell of a game against New Zealand and uh, the following game, they were easily beaten by the box, you know. So you've got to win two or three games on the trot, quarter, semis and, and final. To me, that's uh, put a different light on it. So, yeah, to, to cut a long story short, do they, do you guys think they're going to rethink the draw? Thank you. Peter, I'll, I'll just come in first. And I just want to first of all say, I really hope uh, that your lad, Ruben, is okay. I heard, unfortunately, he came off injured in a, in a game for the Cheetahs. Um, so sending him, um, my man Rubes, all the very best for his recovery on that. So I just wanted to say that first. In, in answer to your question, um, very simply, yes, I think they probably will uh, because of what you've just said. Um, 
in terms of you want the best teams playing each other probably at the back end of the tournament, don't you? Semi-final, final. Although actually how it's lined up is France or New Zealand could very much, I think, play South Africa or Ireland in the final. So I would say those are the top four teams and they could potentially meet in the final. So that still can happen. I think it makes the group stages, though, so fascinating. And when I think of rugby and I think of how rugby wants to be a brilliant product at the moment, we want to be, you know, engaging with fans and having these quality games early doors. And you're going to see that on the first weekend. I mean, it's ridiculous that France decided that they wanted to play New Zealand because they, the French, by the way, they decided they actually can make the choice as the host nation who they play first. So Japan, understandably, played Russia in their first game four years ago, probably because they thought they were going to, well, and they did win. France have gone, no, screw it. We're going to face our number one side or the side they think is going to be their highest challenge first up in the first game New Zealand, which I just think is brilliant, obviously, for, a, for an onlooker or a fan to see these, to see every pool game, it seems, something's up for grabs and there, and there could be literally down to the final games of the pool and then the quarterfinals I mean it's madness isn't it I mean you could end up in the way that I predicted it I'm predicting that actually South Africa are going to play France in the quarterfinal New Zealand are going to play Ireland um, yeah it, 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 it's so hotly competitive I do think World Rugby will maybe have a look they, they shouldn't be really booking places three years in advance. Uh, I, I imagine, I don't know whether 2027 will be, but I think also you're going to have maybe a few extra teams at the World Cup. So it might be that everything gets turned on its head. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, it'd be interesting to see their, their judgment on that. But I do think as it stands at the moment, it's going to be a hell of a competition from, from literally day one. Mm-hmm. And, and Will's, Will's definitely right, because the thing is, like I think... There was a period over this Six Nations where we were talking about Ireland and Scotland in the same pool. That is just, you know, crackers. Because obviously that, that Scotland team was performing really well. I think, especially kind of tail end last year as well, they were kind of, they were up there. They were, you were, they were performing brilliantly week in, week out. And to, to then think that, you know, I know obviously we know this happens anyway, that the competition is going to get more and more diluted and then you're going to be left with the, the cream of the crop, so to speak. We, everyone understands that, but the, the fact that you know some pretty big nations that could miss out or they might be out by the quarterfinals—that is—that feels you know it's a, it's a little bit heartbreaking, isn't it? Because you want to see these the best teams compete all the time, and there's going to be teams that you know there might be a team that that kind of slips through or sneaks through, and you think to yourself they're just going to be out. They might even lose by fifty in the quarters or something like that, and that is a little bit hard. I mean, I think. The, I think I sort of understand the, the logic behind doing it the way World Rugby have done. I think they just want to make sure that people can book things in advance, that, you know, they don't want to, you know, kind of, you know, make things more sort of valuable in a way. I suppose if you do things close to the time, that means the hotels are going to be far more expensive for people to book on. And there's that sort of, there's that economic aspect that comes with it as well. So there, there, there is a certain logic to what they're doing, but also from a competition perspective, it doesn't necessarily lend itself well. I mean, there might even be the perspective that at some point, you know, you, you say you, you take top four nations. Uh, this is pure speculation, but there is, a, there is a perspective where you take your top four nations in the world at that one time and then you just put one of them in each pool and then you start building in and around that before you properly sort of do everything. But then also, having said that, there is a pitfall there because, you know, there's a certain amount of nations that have already qualified that you're not actually placing anywhere and then everyone else can be turned around going, well, gosh, I'm, I'm not going to quite do this anytime soon. Um, but there does have to be the conversation because it is it is quite hard to look at, especially when you look at the schedule and you think to yourself, "Gosh, you know, it's you know, 
I think, it, as Will mentioned, you know, you know, South Africa could be playing France, and you know, imagine quarterfinals, South Africa play France, South Africa win, then there's going to be a, you know, I mean, there could be more riots in on the streets. So um, there is there is that sort of that angle where you think to yourself, you do, you know, there does have to be a conversation about how it moves going forward. Well, guys, we're getting to that point in the show where you know what question is coming next. So the favorites, there's, there seems to be four or five that have a shot at winning the Webb Ellis Cup. So I got to ask, who are your picks to make it to the finals and who's winning the whole shebang? I'll, I'll, I'll come out of the blogs first. And I, I think South Africa. I think South Africa will because when it gets into the knockout stages, what they have and their game plan around what they have is kind of knockout rugby anyway in how they play the game and they've got the X factor across the board and they've got the strength and depth so if there are, if there are injuries in in the competition I, I don't think it will affect them too badly um, their, their big thing is going to be in my opinion their quarterfinal I do think they'll get out their group I think they could potentially slip up they might even have a loss against Ireland as I predict as you'll find out in my article I think Ireland will <laughs> will lose to Scotland um, so like I don't think it's going to be straightforward but I do think once they get into the knockout stages they just come along that's when they just know what to do and um, Razi of course knows what to do so I predict if you're going to say who's going to win it South Africa who do I want to win it other than I would, of course, like to see England win it. I would love to see the French. I would love to see the French, but I believe I, I do think South Africa will win it. Yeah, it's difficult to to agree to, to disagree. Sorry, uh, with a lot of what Will said, there I'd be bucking the trend there if I said that one. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think if I said who I want to win it, I I would say France. It's sort of been that fairy tale story from the start four years ago when we started seeing kind of the building blocks put in place for the team that we now see. Um, but I am always going to have those sort of reservations around them because of because of injuries. I mean, I'd, I'd actually go as far to argue that the loss of Paul Willemsa is actually more significant than Roman Entomac purely for the fact that it feels like there is a drop off there. Like you know, they picked three lock forwards consistently for the for a vast period of time, and then to lose the kind of the main one because Thibaut Flament was kind of still a relatively new introduction in contrast to, to Willems, then I'm I'm worried more that that they're going to have more of a drop-off and that would then therefore put advantage to South Africa. Um, but do you know what I'm going to do? Because as I mentioned a little bit <laughs> earlier on and if people weren't kind of here and, and I mentioned my work, Sweepstake, I'm going to back the world's number one ranked side in Test Rugby and I'm going to say Ireland are going to make it past the quarterfinals and finally Hello. get their hands on that, that golden trophy thing that kicks around once every four years. Wow. So you don't think Ireland's too old for that, huh? No, no. I think they're good. I think they're, they're, every, they're right where they need to be. They've got a good blend of young talent coming through. They've also got you know yeah. that, that kind of dogged experience of, um, of Johnny Sexton's Joe, first they, run out. Joe, if they lose, if they lose Johnny Sexton, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not, they're not going to lose him because if you, even if he gets a ban again, he'll be back by the next game. So it's sort of like... And there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll play a midweek kind of warm-up official semi-official test against Portugal. It'll be fine. Uh, Will? No, that's all right. <laughs> no, he makes a brilliant point. <laughs> had to be done. It had to be done. Work sweepstakes, by the way. But, but I have to say this: cash is on the line, so I need, I need this. Um, <laughs> so I'll make, so him, make some I'm phone calls. Making, 
Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but no, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I like, I love the way that they've been trending. I love the way that they've been developing over the years. I love that defense that Andy Farrell's installed. There's, there's a lot more of them to like than just the sweepstake stuff. And they, they've slowly become this team that everyone slept on because we've got to the big day and everyone's talking about France a host. They've been on this tremendous journey. The, the All Blacks are always going to be in it. The Springboks are obviously naturally going to be in it as well because they are the holders and they have been some of the most consistent performers in the Rugby World Cup's history. But if you look at a team that's kind of really been trending and developing and going in the right direction for the best part of four years, you do then have to look at, at Ireland as the team that's kind of been consistent with it when others necessarily haven't. I do agree about this. Of course, I agree with the John Sexton <laughs> point. But I, I feel like they, they already have their plan in place about how to manage him. And they're not going to overcook him this weekend. They're not going to overcook him the game after that. They're going to they're gonna make sure that they get themselves in the right place pretty pretty quickly. Well, gentlemen, uh, uh, Joe Harvey, Will Hooley, this past hour has been brilliant. Thank you both so much for joining us, and good luck in your office sweepstakes. <laughs> thanking you. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. All the best to you. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Get some sleep tonight. It's a long uh, month and a half. All right, boys. All right, everyone else, thank you, man. That's been a, a blast. Um, you know, Fitzy, I didn't ask you who you think is going to win. I'm back in Joe here. I'm pulling for Ireland. And that's not only because that's where the, the heritage comes from with Fitzpatrick, but uh, I think it would be a great story. And I totally get it. France's host nation. It would be a nice little fairy tale there. But uh, yeah, 100%. nothing against South Africa or New Zealand or, you know, England or Australia. But anyone who hasn't won it before, I, that's who I'm pulling for. But let's go Chile as well. <laughs> I got to pick South Africa only because... Peter DeHaas has my number, and I have a feeling he'll call me if I don't say that. Uh, <laughs> either way, I'm pumped. I'm getting ready. I'm having friends over tomorrow. I can't wait for this whole thing to start. But with that said, let's wrap it up, guys. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in live. If you're online on Facebook, YouTube, or, Insta or LinkedIn, thank you so much for listening. This show will be released as a podcast later today. Listen to it later if you missed part of it or missed all of it, and get ready for the World Cup. Happy Rugby World Cup Eve, everybody, and good day. <laughs>